0: Good evening, a warm welcome to the service this evening. Uh, Good to see all of you, those uh, from different congregations as well. It's good for us to come together and uh, to worship God. And also those who who would desire to be with us, we're conscious. We miss those who uh, have been with us in the past, over the years, but who are struggling with health just now and who are watching online. So it's good for us to come together, all of us, and to worship God uh, in this hour. So once again, uh, thank you for your ministry. And uh, I'll hand over now and ask that you lead us in worship thank you david once again and just to say thank you to you as well it's been a joy and a privilege to be with you over these days and we just pray that the lord will above all else bless his word to our hearts let's unite our hearts in prayer let us pray Lord our God, we come and we once again seek to unite our hearts in worship, that we would be still and that we would know that you are God, that you are the one, if we are yours this evening, in whom we live and move and have our very being. You are our all and in all. You are the potter and we are the clay, the work of your hand being fashioned into vessels fit for your kingdom in Christ. And so we bless you, O Lord, once again for the wonder of an opportunity such as this. An opportunity where we can gather together around that promise that tells us that where two or three gather in your name you are there in their midst. We come in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and none other. We come pleading that promise and we ask that our gathering this evening would be one that is so characterised by an outpouring of your Holy Spirit, drawing us and leading us to draw with joy from those wells of salvation, that we might know what it is to have our souls refreshed in your word, that we might even know what it is, as we have sought to do in the days gone by, to see Jesus. We, O Lord, are aware that we are not worthy of such an honour or such a blessing. We know that by nature we are a people who choose to turn our back on you and to give ourselves over to the sinful things of the flesh. Forgive us, we pray. Forgive us for so flippantly looking upon that which cost you so much, that which led you to the cross, that which... Broke that communion between yourself and the Father. O Lord, we know that our sins indeed cost you to experience intensively what we ought to have experienced in hell extensively. And so we praise you all the more for the wonder of that salvation that has been wrought for sinners such as we are. And if there are any here this evening who are unable to go into such wonders for themselves, who know the truths in their head but are yet to have these truths applied to their hearts and their lives we pray O lord that even this evening you would come that you would come and do a mighty work that you would accompany the word of your truth with great power so that it might find a lodging place in the hearts of every man and woman boy and girl gathered in here who are as of yet strangers to you you are able O lord we believe in the power of your spirit and your word and so we pray come lord jesus come and show us something of your wondrous works afresh this evening hour so that sinners would be brought from darkness to light from death to life we thank you lord then for every blessing that we have enjoyed from your hand even in these days that blessing of friendship and fellowship in the lord and in the gospel (coughs) uniting friends together and making new friends in the lord what a wonder it is that although we are all so different you have given to us our own personalities and characteristics our own gifts and talents yet ultimately we meet at the cross and tonight we can say we are all one in christ jesus and so we thank you O oh lord for this family of faith a family that mirrors something of the loving kindness of the father that we seek to come and worship today We pray for this particular family here in North Harris as they continue to seek to share the good news of the gospel, that you would be with them, that you would lead them and guide them and encourage them in your truth and in your work, that every effort that they make to point those whom they love in this community to Jesus and even those whom they don't know, that all would be blessed and that they would see the increase for your glory, for time is so short and eternity is so long. Help us then to make the best use of our time, keeping the main thing, the main thing, that Jesus Christ died for sinners. And that salvation is ours for the taking, even this evening, by faith. And so we pray now that as we come around your word, that you would speak to us afresh in it. We thank you that you've condescended to reveal yourself to us in a way that we can understand a God who is infinite, eternal and unchangeable, yet a God who speaks to us through words, we see even in this your loving kindness, for you have come alongside us and chosen to show us something of who you are. And so speak to us, we pray, and grant us all the more that heart of worship as we listen to your voice, as we hear what you have to say to us, that we would apply it to ourselves first and foremost, and that we might indeed grow in the knowledge and in the grace of the Lord. We once again give thanks for our dear brother and sisters who have joined this congregation afresh. We praise your name for that work of grace that has been worked in their life, that you would be with them, that you would be with Donald and Rosalind and Jane, that as they go out tomorrow into the world, no doubt so full of the gospel in their souls, yet in many ways the prime target for the evil one, that you would be with them and lead them and guide them and protect them that you would enable them above all else to be found living that life of faith not even leaning or resting upon their feelings but upon your promises that are yea and amen in Christ Jesus our Lord these promises that are unshakable the same yesterday today and forevermore so that no matter how we feel Lord what we experience, you are there by our side, every step of the way, for which we seek to give thanks this evening hour. And so come with us now as we once again sing your praises, that we would lift our voices to the glory of your name. And all we ask, we ask in the precious name of Christ, for his sake. Amen. Well friends, we can turn now to read the word of God together from the Acts, the Apostles Acts and chapter 16. Let us hear the word of God. Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. (coughs) Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek, And when they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they increased in numbers daily. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia. But the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So, passing to Mysia, they went down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So, setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace, and the following day to neapolis and from there to philippi which is a leading city of the district of macedonia and a roman colony we remained in this city some days and on the sabbath day we went outside the gate to the riverside where we were supposed where we supposed there was a place of prayer And we sat down and spoke to the woman who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia, from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshipper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized, and her household as well, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, "Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them in the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. But when it was day, the magistrate sent the police, saying, Let those men go. And the jailer reported these words to Paul saying the magistrate's have sent to let you go therefore come out now and go in peace but Paul said to them they have beaten us publicly uncondemned men who are Roman citizens and have thrown us into prison and do they now throw us out secretly no let them come themselves and take us out the police reported these words to the magistrates and they were afraid when they heard that they were Roman citizens so they came and apologized to them and they took them out and asked them to leave the city so they went out of the prison and visited Lydia and when they had been, when they had seen the brothers, they encouraged them and departed. Amen. We pray God's blessing on that reading of his own holy word. Well, for a short time this evening, we can turn back to the chapter we read together in Acts 16. Acts 16. I'd like us to take for our text the words that we have in verse 30. Then he brought them out and said Sir, what must I do to be saved? And he said, and they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. What must I do to be saved? I wonder if that is a question that tonight features in your heart. Is it a question that's of any importance to you? A question that bothers you, that you ponder upon, that you think upon? What must I do to be saved? Well, tonight we're going to meet a man that asks this self-same question. And as we journey alongside this man who has this question answered, we're going to consider three simple things. We're going to see, first of all, fear. Secondly, freedom. And then lastly, fruit. Fear, freedom and fruit. Firstly then, fear. And in this part of the chapter, what we find is Paul and Silas in prison. They're imprisoned as a result of that gospel mission that they find themselves on. They're with Timothy and Luke and they've, they've travelled from Asia to Europe to Macedonia, a region within which were the cities of Philippi and Thessalonica. Now it's in Philippi that we have the scene set before us here tonight. Up until this point, Paul and his team, they, they appear at least only to have had two converts in, in their whole missionary journey. Firstly, this businesswoman Lydia, this, this seller of purple who was found at the riverside in that prayer meeting, and then secondly, this slave girl. It's, it's as a direct result of their interaction with this particular slave girl that Paul and Silas are in prison. What's their crime? What have they done to this girl that's caused them to be put in stocks in jail? Well, quite simply, they had freed her. They had freed her from that demonic spirit that, that had possessed her very being. And that might cause us confusion. Well, surely this is a good thing. If they freed this girl from this demon spirit, why is it they've been cast into jail? There's a good reason for this. Because this girl was A slave girl. This girl, of course, because she was a a slave girl, she was obliged to work for her owners. What did she do? What was it that she did in order to, to raise money for her owners? Well, she was a fortune teller. And because she was a fortune teller, because she was telling people their destiny, as it were, she was making money. People are always desperate to find out the future. Even today, people will read horoscopes and they'll go to fortune tellers and all kinds of different people just to know what lies ahead. There's good money to be made, and so it was for the owners of this slave girl. And of course, because she's now healed from this spirit, this healing had implications because this demon spirit has been taken from her, no longer would she be telling fortunes. No longer would she be making money for her owners. And because of that, her owners are out of pocket. And again we see a window into the nature of man. Isn't mankind so often motivated by money? Money is the root of all kinds of evil. Money motivates so many people. Money is that which, when people uh, try and take it from you, you see the worst out coming out of people. And so it was with these slave owners. They're not happy. They're far from happy. And because they're no longer making an income from this girl, they, they want to do something about Paul. They, they, they want to, to punish Paul. Now they know they can't make a complaint to the authorities. This wasn't a valid complaint to make to the authorities. So, so they would have to get Paul and Silas in another way. They'd have to incriminate them. And that's what they do. They, they accuse them. They accuse them of disrupting the city of breach of the peace. Verse 20. And when they brought them to the magistrates, they said, These men are Jews and they're disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. Of course, this was out-and-out lies, yet lies that nonetheless achieved the desired effect. These these men are, as a result of these lies, they're cast into prison, cast into stocks in a damp, dark, no doubt filthy prison, unaware of what the future would hold for them, yet they're innocent. And you can't help but think, they're surely wondering, why have we come all the way to Macedonia? And sometimes we, we can wonder why the Lord leads us in a certain path. Why have we come all the way to Macedonia only to end up in prison? And sometimes the Lord's dealings with us are not revealed as to why. Not on this side of eternity. At least we we have to wait. And so it's no surprise then that our first heading tonight is fear. Surely we ourselves would be fearful in such a position. But yet, friends, that's not the tone of what we read. Quite the opposite. Because here these men are in this prison praying and singing Hymns, praying and singing hymns to God. What we see here is a spirit of worship. What a witness, what a a witness to all the other prisoners. Here are, are two men who are wrongly imprisoned and all they can do is sing praises to God. Why is this? Well, one commentator puts it like this. Paul and Silas did not base their theology on their circumstance. Instead, they evaluated these circumstances in light of what they knew About to be true about God. What did they know to be true about God? What do we tonight know to be true about God? Well Paul tells us elsewhere in Second Corinthians 4, for a light affliction which is but for a moment is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Well we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary. The things which are not seen are eternal. Now, this is not easy. It's so easy for us to allow these scriptures to roll off our tongue. This is the idealistic way to be a Christian. It's not easy. We do allow our light afflictions affect us that's fact but what we see here is this that by faith we can be strong in the lord even in the darkest of times remember paul was the one who saw himself as the chiefest of sinners he wasn't without his own struggles he wasn't without his own weaknesses but yet he finds strength in the lord so where where then do we find this fear if we don't see it with paul and silas where do we find this fear Well, we find this fear, do we not, in this man who asks this question, what must I do to be saved? Because as these men are busy praising the Lord, God is busy showing his hand of power. Verse 25. Verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. Just like that, out of nowhere, there's this tremor, there's this earthquake that that causes the very foundation of the prison to shake, so that as they shake, the very doors of the prison, they burst open, they burst open. The chains that are holding the prisoners in place, they're removed just like that. That is the power of God. Now, of course, not surprisingly, that the calamity that's taking place is, is enough to wake, awaken the jailer from his sleep. No doubt he's living in quarters with his family attached to the jail, and he's awakened. Verse 27. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped This man had gone to bed that night, seemingly in control of his own life. Only to be woken to see that that his whole foundation had been shaken to its core. He he sees the doors open and, and surely because the doors of the prison are open, the prisoners will have escaped. And of course, escaped prisoners would almost certainly result in a slow and a painful death for this jailer who had been responsible for keeping them inside the jail. So faced with his fate, he's filled with fear. He doesn't know where to turn. He doesn't know what to do. And in his own mind, things are so bad for this man that he has no option but to take his own life. There are times in our lives when we feel... Just at the end of our tether, even at the end of the road, circumstances get the better of us. Let's be honest. Let's be real as a church of Christ, as believers. Let's not put on this outward veneer that all is rosy in the garden. It's hard being a Christian. We have hard things in our lives. Let's be honest. Let's be open. Let's be prayerful. Let's be supportive. Let's be there for one another. Because at times things can seem so black and so bleak. We don't know where to turn and we are so filled with fear. Maybe that's you tonight. You're filled with fear and anxiety. You're in depths that you don't know how you're going to get out of. Maybe they're only known to yourself. But can I say this to you friends? Don't despair. Please don't despair. Because there is always a way out. As there was for the Philippine jailer. Because just just as he was about to take his sword to himself. What does he hear? He hears this voice shouting, but Paul cried out with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. Yes, the prison doors are open. Yes, the chains of the prisoners are loosed. Yet none of them have escaped. They're all still there. Why? Because God didn't allow them to escape. Now we might think, well, this is entirely ridiculous. This isn't real. This isn't real life. If prison doors were opened, prisoners would be out of there. There's no way they would hold back and stay and remain. And it's so easy for us, not just in this narrative, but in any narrative in Scripture, to impose our own reason and our own rationale upon what God does. Strange things happen in providence. We know that. We've seen it in our own experience. Things that we can't explain. And we know that behind that is the hand of God himself. God will do whatever it takes to fulfill his plan, even if it is contrary to our expectations of what appears to be reasonable. And that's encouraging. That's exciting. And so the prisoners remain. The prisoners remain because they're part of that jigsaw of the picture that is this man's spiritual journey. It's wonderful to think that sometimes what happens to us isn't about us. It's actually about someone else. And what's happening in our life might be for the benefit of... Of someone else's salvation. And we might not even know it. But that's the rich tapestry of life. We are just tiny pieces of such a big picture. And always remember that. Because we're so prone to ask why. Why is this happening to me? It might be for someone else. So the prisoners remain. And we see that this journey that had appeared this day. That had appeared so bleak, so dark, so so hopeless. Was about to change. But it had to be. This is important as well. This had... To be why did this have to be for this man? Because it was this very experience that would bring this man to his senses, to bring him to that place whereby at long last he, he could see how how his own finite self needed an infinite God. And, and sometimes we don't wish or will for this, but sometimes God is trying to get our attention and we're just not listening. And he keeps trying to get our attention, and we're still not listening. We hold back, we pull back, we're trying to come to the Lord in our own terms, in our own way in our own time and we pull back and we pull back and then the Lord has to do something. Just be aware of that. If he's speaking, if he's calling to you tonight in your heart, listen to that call. Don't put it off. Don't let tragedy come into your life before you will listen to your voice. Don't be reactive. Be proactive. Come and seek him today. Maybe he's trying to get your attention. Maybe there's someone in here tonight that he's speaking to. Listen to his voice. So what seemed to be a course of events that would bring about the end of this man's life on earth, would in fact prove to be the lifeline that he needed, which brings us to our second point, freedom. Of course, it may appear that Paul and Silas are free here, their chains are loosed, they're wrongly imprisoned, yet in the deepest sense, what we see here is not that they needed to be set free, but that there was a Philippian jailer that needed to be set free. And so it is with every non-believer, as it was for the Philippine jailer. He himself, although he had the keys for the prison, it was he himself that was imprisoned. He was held captive. He was motivated by the things of this world, living only for. There's nothing wrong with enjoying the things of this world in their place. That's a blessing for the Lord. But when we live only for them, when we're unable to see past them, we are imprisoned. We might think we have the keys to freedom. We look upon Christians and we think their lives are miserable. They're in bondage. They're enslaved. They have no joy or life. They have no freedom or friends. And that is the voice of the devil telling you that, deceiving you, thinking that, that you have freedom, that you have the keys to do whatever you want, however you want in this world. I wonder if is a picture of you tonight. Answered honestly in your heart, are you only living for the things of this world? What motivates you? What excites you? Does the things of the Lord fill your heart with Something that brings you to that place where, whereby you can see Jesus? Or is this all just routine? We go to church, we come home. We go to church, we tick the box week after week after week. Is that you? It's good that you come, keep coming. But friends, there is so much more to knowing the Lord than that. There is freedom. And for the jailer, freedom is on its way as he acknowledges his need. As he humbly verbalizes that something is missing in his life. Verse 29, the jailer called for lights and rushed in and trembling with fear he fell down before Paul and Silas. Just picture the scene, This, this jailer falling before the prisoner trembling. This is the work of the Lord. Serge, what must I do to be saved? Saved from what? Is he worried that he's going to be imprisoned himself from the released prisoners? No, they're still there. What we have here friends is this a deep longing within the heart of the jailer to be right with his creator, God. No doubt he's heard the testimony. You've heard people being converted. Did you hear so-and-so's being converted and so-and-so? News gets round. No doubt the jailer would have heard the testimony of the slave girl. The, the very reason for Paul and Silas being in prison in the first place. And now what's he doing is he's, he's applying the reality of the power of God to heal this slave girl. To heal himself. Maybe you need to do the same. Apply the reality of the power of God healing your husband or your wife, your son, your daughter, your mother, your father, whoever it is you know and love in this world who has been saved by grace. Don't just leave it for them. But apply that to yourself by faith, by coming to the Lord. What must I do to be saved? Have you asked that question? Are you asking it tonight? What must I do? do to be saved have you humbly fallen to your knees and and cried out this this prayer what must I do to be saved I wonder do you see your need of being released from the power of sin of course we love and we we find great joy in speaking and preaching of the love of God in Christ but that love is a love that takes us from a place from that fearful pit from hell <coughs> itself And so have you cried out to be saved from a lost eternity? Do you see your need of being released from the power of sin over your life? I wonder, is it that you just carry on regardless as if tomorrow is yours to see? Maybe tonight's the night you need to ask this question. What must I do to be saved? Because if you do, what will happen is this. You will find that you are on that path. To true freedom. Don't we long for freedom. Verse 31. And he said believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved and your household. A profound but simple question is is met with a profound but simple answer. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is his ticket to freedom. And tonight, this is your ticket to freedom also. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not difficult, is it? It's, it's not, as it were, rocket science. Yet why is it so difficult for you to believe? Why? Well, I wonder, is it this? Do you misunderstand what it is to believe? Maybe you look at Christianity merely on the outward. And that's your assessment and analysis of what it is to be a Christian. Going through certain routines and rituals. Not really for me. I'm not attracted to that. Or maybe you think that uh, believing—maybe you, you, you think that believing in Jesus is just believing in a man that lived 2,000 years ago and died on a cross—a a historical character. You like his teachings. You enjoy the stories. You even enjoy coming to church. But you know, friends, Satan himself believes. Satan himself believes. The devils believe and tremble. And so that's not enough at all. Jesus has, has so much to offer to us tonight than merely being a fact. And this is essential for us to grasp. Because it doesn't say here, believe about the Lord Jesus Christ. It says believe in The Lord Jesus Christ. And there is a world of, there's an eternity of difference between the two. Because believing in Jesus is not just subscribing to biblical facts and concepts, it's believing in Jesus as the one who has saved you from your sins, the one with whom you are in a relationship with, the one who you dialogue with each and every day, the one who you could not live without in this world world in your life. You believe in him, not just about him. We hear about many different people on the news, in the media. We feel like we know them, but we don't know them. We've never met them. We have no relationship with them. And so you can see the difference. We need to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, when we do, so when we enter into that personal relationship with him, our lives are transformed. What do we read in Romans 10, 9-10? Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, maybe you do that tonight, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. See the difference? We can confess with our mouth, yes, I believe that Jesus is Lord. But what does your heart say? What does your heart say tonight? Does it say, as we said this morning, really, I won't have this man to rule over me. I'm not going to humble myself. I'm not going to submit. I'm not going to give my life to Jesus Believe in your heart, in the sacrificial work of Christ. Believe that he has died for a sinner like you. Believe in the fullness of such a salvation and such a saviour. We've got nothing to bring to the table, absolutely nothing, but to come and to believe in him. I wonder, do you believe in him? Maybe you don't want to believe. In your heart of hearts, you, you don't want to believe. And I know what this is like. There's a fear. There's a fear of the unknown when it comes to coming to know the Lord. There's a, a fear of this, what this transformation <coughs> might mean in your life. To use that term that, that we have in our culture, that so-and-so has got the Kurum. It's a, a derogatory term. And we don't want to, to have that label attached to us. And so we're fearful. We'll lose our friends. We'll lose uh, this, that, and the next thing. And so we have this fear. Do you have that fear? Let me tell you this, friend. You should have far more fear of the known of that which you are comfortable with in this life, of that which defines your life, if it is in any way keeping you from believing in the Lord Jesus that's what you should fear. That which is holding you back and slowing you down. That's worth fearing tonight. You need to fear that. It's so subtle. The devil's so subtle. He, he masks all these things with a cloak of that which uh, looks so attractive to our eyes. But we need to fear if we are living a life separate from christ in the end the jailer doesn't find it difficult to believe he couldn't but believe how do we know he believed this brings us just briefly to our final point because we see fruit we see fruit from this freedom and of course this is so important scripture tells us that by their fruit you shall know them as Christians, as believers, we're not to, to show forth dull, lifeless, joyless religion. And if we do that, shame on us. That is not our saviour. That is not who we worship here tonight. That's not whose death and resurrection we remembered today. Instead, scripture calls us to do what? To show forth the fruit of the Spirit. If there is no root, there will be No fruit. I often say to my own congregation, we should all have the fruit of the Spirit up at the door so that on our way out we look at it each and every day to remind us. This is who we're to be in Christ. What is the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace. Long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. Does that characterize us as God's people, as God's church, as his bride? Is that us? The challenge. Yet we see this with this jailer. He shows love to Paul and Silas. We read in verse 33. He took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. This, this hardened jailer, he's, he's here washing the wounds of these prisoners in a spirit of Christ-like love. Isn't that amazing grace? Who does this remind you of? Jesus, Jesus, who washed the feet of his disciples—that is our example. He is our example. He is our example as to what it is to be a Christian, a Christ one. We are here to serve and not to be served. Let's remember that. Let's grasp that afresh as we seek to uh, faithfully mirror something of who we profess to be. He washes their—he th- washes their wounds. And of course, we read in John thirteen thirty-five. By this all will know that you are my disciples. How? If you love one another. That's our mandate. That's our mission statement. That's what true Christian love does. It doesn't throw its weight about it. It considers the needs of others and seeks in whatever way it takes to meet those needs. Time is going, but we read following this exhortation that the jailer and his family, they're baptised No doubt after having had this revelation, he he rushes in to get them from the house. And and they come and they hear the word of God preached. And he's baptised at once, he and all his family. He's professing his faith. He's showing his faithfulness to God and obedience straight away. There's no waiting for a year or two years or three years. He goes and he professes straight away. And then in verse 34, Then he brought them into his house and set food before them. He's shown love, he's shown faithfulness by professing, and now he shows kindness. In such a short space of time, he's showing forth the fruit of the Spirit. What do we read in James 2, verse 14? What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, And one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled. There's a danger that we do that. We can say, oh, well, I'll pray for you. And we don't really invest ourselves in helping that person. Of course, prayer is powerful. But we are to come alongside people. If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Faith needs to manifest itself in works. And that includes showing hospitality. That's what the jailer does. He feeds Paul and Silas. There's no word of a wife feeding him, feeding them. He feeds them. He feeds them. He gives them what they need. And so already in a very short time we see love, faithfulness, kindness. But we also see joy, do we not? And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. You know, friends, a joyless religion is a Christless religion, a religion that's void of the Spirit of the Lord. If we are in Christ, we ought to be the happiest people alive. That doesn't mean we go around with smiles on our faces uh, 24-7, but this is a deep-seated joy, a joy that's within the marrow of our being. It doesn't mean we're not moved in times of sorrow and times of anguish, but still we have that joy, that joy, that deep seated joy and we see that with this man he rejoices that he's believed in god and i hope we're rejoicing this weekend rejoicing afresh as we're reminded of what we have in christ jesus our lord this is a man who was on the verge of committing suicide and now he's rejoicing why because he believed in god because he believed in the lord jesus christ and was saved that is a miracle of grace you might be asking tonight what must i do to be saved. You might be wanting to be saved from all kinds of different things economic ruin, death, ill health, all good and important things. But what about your soul? How high on your priority list is the salvation of your soul? Tonight. Friend, it ought to be the most pressing question in your life. What must I do to be saved? And here we have the answer. And I hope you will know this answer in your heart even tonight. Believe. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And that, dear friends, is a promise. Let us pray. We thank you, Lord, for this promise. And we pray that this promise might be known in a real way by someone gathered in here tonight. That they would believe, not about the Lord Jesus Christ, but in the Lord Jesus Christ. The one whose death and resurrection is sufficient for us. Who in this act of love on Calvary's hill shows forth that we have all that we need in him. Help us then to believe in him. We pray, O Lord, that your word would have gone out with power this evening, accompanied by your Holy Spirit. We know that your Spirit is able to do wonderful things So that those who are in bondage to this world tonight might have these chains loosed and that they might cry out in their hearts. I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ from the youngest to the oldest that they would all come to know you. Go with us then we pray into the fellowship following this service this evening. We pray that you would bless the food to our bodies use that your spirit would be with us there also as we eat and drink not only physical food, but spiritual food also, as we share one with another the wonders of what you have done in our lives. Go with us then, we pray, and forgive us for Jesus' sake. Amen. Now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the communion of the Holy Spirit rest on and abide with you now and always. Amen.